Today is uh, the first message in a two-week series from the small book, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you say it, and I'll probably say it both ways in this sermon, uh, because, you know, just kind of, I actually Googled to say, well, what does Google have to say about the correct pronunciation? I found both. So anyway, you're good, no matter how you pronounce it. Hope in the dark. Pastor Craig Groeschel and the large church he leads in the U.S. make all of their resources available free of charge to churches around all their resources, to churches around the world. And they're actually the designer and creator of the free Bible app that some of you use, probably. A U version comes from that church. It's just a, a gift to the kingdom. And I've not utilized uh, that resource very often, but want to acknowledge that a, a good amount of the content in this series is from that, resources, uh, from that resource. Uh, Pastor Groeschel has also written a book, Hope in the Dark, Believing God is Good When Life is Not. Um, Habakkuk, an Old Testament minor prophet. Not minor because he's less important, but because his book is shorter. Pretty simple, hey? Than uh, what we would call the major prophets, like uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah or others. He lived around 600 years before the birth of Christ. And, and again, wasn't, uh, I say again, because I preached this already this morning, <laughs> but um, uh, he, he, he wasn't so much a what we might call a normal Old Testament prophet in terms of speaking on God's behalf to the people, but he spoke to God. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm confusing myself. He didn't speak so much to the people on behalf of God. He spoke to God on behalf of the people because he didn't like what he saw was happening. He was wrestling actually with God's goodness when there was so much evil in his world. Chapters 1 and 2 of this three-chapter book contain two complaints from Habakkuk and two responses from God. And so let's read a bit of that dialogue between God and the prophet. Uh, Habakkuk, uh, his first complaint in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you, intol- uh, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Wow, he's... Straight up, eh? With God. Doesn't hold anything back. That was written about 3,000 years ago, but could have been written today. The reality is human nature. Humanity's sinful nature never changes over the decades and centuries. God's first response, then, we see in verses 5 to 7. He says, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and a dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. And then in Habakkuk's second complaint, which goes from chapter 1, verse 12, several verses through to the first verse of chapter 2, he points something out to God in case God happened to miss it. Um, Thank you, Habakkuk. He points out that the Babylonians are more evil than Judah, uh, his people. 
basically says, God, what are you doing? How can, how can you possibly use that nation to judge the sin of Judah? They're worse than us. God's second response we see in chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. That's where that phrase comes from, right there. Though it linger, wait for it, God says. It will certainly come and will not delay. Verse 4, see, the enemy is puffed up. Prideful, right? His desires are not upright, but the righteous people will live by his faithfulness. And that phrase at the end there can be interpreted as living by their faith in, in God and or by faith in God's character of faithfulness. And both are true. I want us first to remember the origin of sin and evil in our world. It was, as many of you know, when Adam and Eve, our first human parents, chose to turn away from God and from his loving direction and do what they wanted to do. And so as a direct result of that thing called sin, brokenness, pain, trouble, darkness entered the world and has been a part of our world ever since. So, so don't blame God for those things. God lovingly gave his human creation uh, something we call free will, to choose to follow him and his ways or to choose freely to turn away and, and do their own thing. Of course, that freedom to choose had to be a part of the equation if our love for God was to be genuine and not merely some robotic, uh, pre-programmed response, right? But that free will, with that free will, came the possibility of sin and thus brokenness and trouble. And, and that's what happened. But the good news of the gospel, of, of Jesus, that is, is that he stepped in to take our punishment for sin upon himself so we could live free and eternally with our creator. But until God's appointed time, when he restores all of creation, like he says he's going to do, to the way he originally intended it to be, we live in a broken world where pain and trouble exist. And no one is exempt from that. You've likely experienced times in life when, like the prophet Habakkuk, you've wondered where God is or, or what he's up to. Maybe you've asked, God, why are, you, why are you letting this happen? I recall having numerous conversations with God like this in some difficult years for us when our son Brennan was young and, and suffered greatly from, for years from allergies and asthma and particularly brutal eczema at times. I remember the year that we moved to Beaumont in 2006 to, to, to start pastoring this church. It was especially bad. And uh, if I showed you pictures of his legs and feet and arms, many of you probably would instinctively turn away his Specialist at the U of A told us at the time that he maybe had two or three other patients that were 
as bad as Brennan. It was hard to watch your son suffer. Those of you that are parents, you know that. Whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, it's hard. And so there were times in particularly that season where, where anger would start to stir and rise up in my heart as I talked to God asking for a healing. But in that season, though, Miriam and I learned some things. It's in trouble that we learn sometimes the biggest lessons about trust and surrender. We learned some things from Brennan about trust and attitude. One time when he was about eight or nine during this season, we had heard a story of a sad, uh, a sad story of a, of a, of a young boy uh, with, with cancer, serious and, and terminal, actually, terminal cancer. And Brennan turned to me and as a young kid said, see, Dad, it could be a lot worse. Out of the mouth of babes, as the psalmist wrote it. You've probably experienced a season of darkness in your life, or maybe you're in one now. If you haven't, it's, I hate to say it, likely coming, something. And that's not a fear-mongering statement. That's, that's life in a broken world. Most of us already know that. I pray that you'll hear this message of hope from this Old Testament book. But you need to be sure to listen and take in the message next Sunday as well. Because if, if you only hear this one, it may not bring the encouragement that you're looking for. And that may be a strange thing to say. Uh, Pastor Craig Gershell puts it this way. He says, most of my sermons are sitcom sermons. But this one isn't. What's a sitcom sermon? Think about sitcom. What, what, what sit, sitcom did you uh, watch growing up? If you've been around a while, like me, maybe... Maybe it was Gilligan's Island or, or, or Happy Days. Or if you're a little younger, maybe Seinfeld or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And some of you, you're saying, no, that person's still old. Come on. Uh, okay, uh, The Office maybe. Oh, what, whatever. Sitcom. The story starts out happy. And then quickly, because you don't have a lot of time, uh, quickly there's some issue or tension. But, but within 30 minutes, it's resolved. That's a sitcom. So nice. Well, this isn't a sitcom sermon because everything's not resolved in 30 minutes. Life's not like that. Sometimes things aren't resolved in 30 weeks or 30 months or sometimes even 30 years. In life, sometimes there's great financial stress because you lost your job and, and, and you don't get a better one for a really long time and you, you find yourself struggling with feelings that you're a failure or, or, or feeling like God has forgotten, abandoned you. And yet, and yet often along the way, if you have eyes to notice, you probably realize the ways, the ways that God has, has carried you and, and provided for your needs along the way. Some of that we see a, a little clearer in a rear, as we look back, sometimes. Or sometimes in life, you think you have a good marriage, but your spouse betrays you and maybe even claims, God wants me to be happy, and I found someone who really makes me happy. But you're broken, and the pain goes on for a really long time. 
Sometimes in life, the doctor gives you really bad news and you, you begin to pray and you have faith, but the disease seems to be winning and you, you don't understand. You're, you're wrestling with that and yet you're, you, you want to and you're trying to cling to God to feel his embrace through it all, but it's difficult. And then someone comes along in the midst of your pain, someone in your church family and tritely says, just trust the Lord. It's a good thing to do. But in that moment, you probably feel like doing the biblical thing of laying hands on them in a different way. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying. Because at that time, you're feeling, you're, 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 you're depleted. You're, you're, you're spiritually depleted. You're emotionally depleted. It's hard. These situations are difficult because we know God could do something, but he hasn't, and we don't understand. And that's how Habakkuk felt. He, he tells God, it's not fair what's happening to the people of Judah, to his people. And, and just to clarify, Judah was the, the southern region of a divided kingdom after the death of King Solomon. Judah in the south uh, with the two tribes of Benjamin and Judah. Judah got the name. And then the northern part uh, of the, the area there, Israel, um, the northern kingdom, uh, made up of the ten other tribes of Israel. But you see, Judah had drifted far from God and was living in all kinds of evil ways. Thus, there was the imminent threat of a Babylonian invasion that was God's instrument of judgment for their sin. Wow. And Habakkuk says, God, where are you? Are you, are you actually on our side or what? Honest questions. You ever ask God questions like that? God, why, why, why did you allow my marriage to implode? As, as, as if it's his fault. Or, or, God, why don't you heal my son? Or like the prophet in verse 2, have you ever said, God, how long must I call for help? But you don't. You don't listen, or it seems like you don't. Habakkuk is very honest. Very honest. We see it. But it's so important to realize that he does not park in that place or, or, or get stuck in a place of bitterness toward God because he knows that's a, that's a dangerous place emotionally and spiritually and otherwise. The New Testament says bitterness in our hearts defiles many, not just ourselves, but many and our relationships. He definitely wrestles, Habakkuk definitely wrestles with what he views as God's inactivity in verses 3 and 4, he basically says, you have the power, but you're not acting. I, I don't get it. And yet, yet he still commits to the struggle of, of clinging to God. Because deep down, he knows that God's the only true hope in his broken life and his broken world. If you've walked with Christ for any length of time in, in personal relationship with him, you've probably experienced those, those hard and confusing times in life. Living in relationship with Jesus doesn't make us immune from the pain or trouble that living in a broken world brings. There are different reactions. Maybe some of you have responded in some of these ways or you've, you've observed it. different reactions when people find themselves in difficult times. One is that people sometimes think this. That if they talk about the trouble, the situation that's bad, if they acknowledge it, it'll, it'll somehow give it power over them. And so they deny it. Well, it's not really 
all good, nothing's really happening, no, it's not really happening. Really? That's not even honest. Nor is it biblical. Another reaction is that Christians can sometimes think that they, they must have done something wrong. They, they, they must be praying wrong or something. Well, not necessarily. Oh, yes, uh, search your heart and, and confess, and the Holy Spirit might identify something, but, but so often this can be an, uh, an over, uh, overcooked uh, point of, of, of false pressure that people bring on themselves. You, you need to read about Paul's reaction to his... In, lot. He, he suffered a lot. You need to, you need to read uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 12. You might as well read the whole chapters. Uh, you can write those references down and, and read them later today. I encourage you to do that about his reaction to the suffering he faced. Another reaction is that people sometimes simply choose to walk away from God altogether. And it's usually because their heart, they've allowed, allowed their heart to become bitter, which is really sad because because you become bitter toward the, the one God who is really the only source of the kind of strength needed to make it through life in a broken world. Not to mention he's the only way to be able to live eternally with him in heaven. But there's another response that will result in us remaining close to God now and for eternity. And that's doing what David also did, as we see in the Psalms, in the midst of his troubles, he wrestled with God, absolutely. He was honest with God about his feelings, about life difficulties, saying, God, I don't get it. Please remind me that you're there because I don't feel you, or I don't feel you with me. And that's probably something that a lot of us have expressed or thought. But, but, but again, here, David would always land on his feet of trust, solidly displaying a commitment to always still trust. God, I don't get it. What's going on? Where are you? But I will still trust you. It's where he landed, and we need to do the same. Back to Habakkuk crying out on behalf of the people of Judah. God's response, as we read in chapter 1, verse 5, is, I'm about to do something you won't believe. And Habakkuk at that point is probably thinking right on, God's going to bring change, God's going to intervene. And then God says something that shocks Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to raise up your enemy, the Babylonians, and they're going to bring judgment upon Judah for their sin, for her sin. It's not what Habi expected to hear, nor does it make sense to him. And he's, he's struggling with this. Now, remember, the way God dealt with sin in the Old Testament is different than he does today. Because for us, we need to be so grateful for this. And if you know Christ personally and have received his forgiveness, you are, I'm sure. Because for us, God the Father's judgment for sin was put upon Jesus so we don't have to bear the uh, eternal consequences of that as we choose to trust in and surrender to God. How great is that? As I've already said, a committed Christ follower can both wrestle with honest questions before God and also cling to him in genuine faith at the same time, embracing trust and confidence in his loving care. Right in the midst of whatever painful situation in life might be happening that we don't understand, that, that's very possible. And it's, it's, it's vital that we, that, we, that we do that. We, we see in Habakkuk 1, Verses 12 and 13, the prophet 
sees things that don't compute for him. But he reminds himself of the character of God in the midst of it all. Look at some of the phrases from these two verses. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? In other words, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to cling to eternal God. You, Lord, have appointed our enemies to execute judgment. Oh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this, uh, but, but, but choosing to cling to you still. My rock, he says, I'm clinging to you. He writes, you've ordained them to punish us. God, I'm, I'm wrestling with that. He writes, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. I'm embracing and holding on to you. Why are you silent, he writes, when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Oh, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling, but I'm clinging to you because I do know you're a faithful God. As a matter of fact, the name Habakkuk means one that, uh, one that wrestles, to, to wrestle and to, to, to embrace. And that's what he's doing here. He's struggling, but he's clinging to God. Uh, the, the God he knows is still all loving and all wise and all powerful to carry him and his people safely to God's desired destination. He hears God say, chapter 2, verse 3, though it linger, wait for it, as we read. You see, there's often a waiting period. You know this. There's a waiting period in life for many things. At the appointed time, God will do his perfect will, is the statement here, the statement of Scripture. The Hebrew word here literally means perfect, unstoppable timing of God and along life's path. We see God's timing on things, and, and as we so often do. And, and ultimately, there's a, as I referenced already, there's a, there's a future time, the Bible speaks clearly about, when God will restore all creation to the beautiful paradise that he originally created in the Garden of Eden. And that includes changing our hearts completely. Fulfilled, fulfilled, fully fulfilled salvation. In the meantime, remember that God sees your pain and, and he, he hurts with you. He, he wants to enter into your pain. As a matter of fact, he, he already did when he went to the cross and he died a brutal death there, taking upon himself your penalty for your sin and mine. So in your time of uncertainty, and financial challenge, or a career that seems to be faltering, or a broken marriage, or a loved one's diagnosis, or, or maybe waiting for a spouse that God has for you to spend your life with, or, 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 or living in these crazy times as they are today. Whatever it is, keep wrestling. Keep wrestling in honest dialogue with God, but commit to cling to him till you feel his embrace. And so in your, in your wondering, don't, don't walk away from God, the one who loves you most and knows you best. In your waiting for him to act, don't quit on God. Trust in his timing that you likely don't see right now. Let your questions and even, even your doubts 
that are okay. Just take them to God. Let them drive you to, to cling to him. And, and we can do that even when we don't understand. We can embrace the God, or we can embrace God of the, in the valley, which is where we're going next Sunday in the message by that same title, Embracing God in the Valley. This morning, I want to pray for you. Whether you're here in person or connecting in online, I want to ask you to make the space where you're seated just a, a place where you, you will meet with God right now. Maybe it's on a real comfortable recliner. Are you, are you jealous, folks, here? Huh? No. Wherever you are. And even if you're watching this beyond this Sunday of the 11th of April, this can be a moment where, you, where, there's, where there's a change. Not necessarily in the situation, although God is able to do anything. He is. And you can ask. He invites you to talk to him about that. But sometimes his intervention for certain periods of time has to do with our perspective and our trust and our growth in that area. But if this message resonates with you because of something you're walking through in life right now, I want you, as I, as I pray in a moment, to do something that uh, a few of people around here have asked you to do during prayer times before. And it's, it's not a, doesn't have to be a weird thing. It's just a, a posture that illustrates that, yeah, my heart is open. And it's just the posture of extending your hands and palms up, just saying, God, here I am. You see my situation. You know it. I know you do. Remind me that you're here. Remind me. Help me to sense your nearness. I give this to you. And I, I, I want to be honest. I want to talk to you honestly about what's going on. But even more, I want to I commit to, to cling to you because you love me most. You love me most and know me best. And so I, as I pray, if, if there's something that you're walking through right now that you just, you need to give to God, again, maybe, I want you just to close your eyes and, and uh, lift your hands, extend your hands to God in, in, in this moment as I pray. Again, whether here or online. Do this. I want you to take a moment to express to God whatever honest expressions you feel you want to share with him. Talk to him in the quietness of this moment. Expressing your commitment in it all to trust him. Do that yourself right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who find themselves right now in difficult and painful situations and they're in a dark season of life right now. May you give them the courage to wrestle while they also commit to cling to you. May they sense your nearness, God. May they, may they deeply sense your loving embrace today. May they believe deeply that you are good even though life right now is not. May you lift them up and encourage and strengthen them as, as they commit to cling to you today and in the days ahead as they walk with you. 
Jesus' name. Amen. As part of your further reflection, maybe later today on this message, there's a song that you might want to listen to, and it's, you can type that into YouTube and find that. If you're connecting online today, there's a, a YouTube link to that song in the description. But I want to talk to those of you who honestly would say, I, I'm not sure I, I'm a Christ follower. Maybe I, I believe in God, but... I haven't can't come to the place of just making the commitment to say, Jesus, I want you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I'm walking in relationship with you from this day forward and on into eternity by your grace. For some of you right now, maybe the weight of sin has caught up with you and, and, and you, feel, you feel guilty, you feel trapped, you feel so alone. You've tried hard to be good, but it doesn't work. Good news is that you being good enough is not the way to God. None of us can be good enough to come into a personal relationship with the perfect holy God. That's why Jesus came, because he's the only perfect one. And he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that is take care of the, the, the sin debt, right? So if you want to, this morning, whether you're, again, here in person or online, you, you want to commit your life to Christ, in this moment, you could pray something like this. It's not about the words. God sees your heart most of all. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, because you loved me so much. And Jesus, I thank you that you came willingly, voluntarily, because you loved me so much, to deal with my sin, that which is the e eternal barrier between me and my creator. And you dealt with that. You removed it. God, I thank you for your gift of grace. And so today I ask you to be, I, I trust you as the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I surrender to you now in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we would, we would love to hear about it. You can text the word Jesus to the number you see on the screen. And it would allow us the opportunity to answer any questions you might have or give you some resources that will help you to establish your relationship with Christ. And we also just want to share in the excitement of that very, very important decision that we, that we all have to make, that we all have the possibility to make, at least. God bless you.